full uh, a sense of enjoyment and purpose and satisfaction. And uh, brothers, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Can you give us an idea, uh, Gus or, or Glenn? What what does that mean when it says hope deferred makes the heart sick? Well, it makes the heart discouraged. It makes the heart saddened because it uh, is unable to resolve any issues uh, that that person is in need of hope for. There's he he's dead. Mm-hmm. I think it shows there's a connection that exists between the spiritual condition of man and the physical condition of man. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you speak of a hopeless person, you can picture in your mind what that person looks like uh, physically. It's not one who's you would describe generally as, you know, praising the Lord and being enthusiastic and so forth. You think of one that, as a psalmist describes, for example, in Psalm 32, his bones are crushed, his strength is sapped, mm-hmm. is in the heat of summer, yeah. and so forth. Yes. It, uh, it also um, leaves a person desperate. Yes, it does. Desperate. They, they don't know which way to turn. Uh, they've tried uh, things that, uh, that just haven't, haven't work, hasn't worked for them. What, what does a person do? What does a person typically do if they are really hopeless? What kinds of things do we see or hear about uh, in our ministries or just uh, even in the newspapers? What do people do when they are hopeless? Well, we know the common thing they do is that many times they go to the bottle, mm-hmm. they go to alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, they go to overeating, um, a number of issues like that to fill, uh, to fill what they lack in that hope. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing, one of the first things that you see in a person who's, uh, you could describe as hopeless, is a general demeanor of discouragement. Mm-hmm. And, and in my estimation, one of the most powerful tools in the arsenal of the enemy of our souls is discouragement. It's an easy step from being discouraged to being depressed. Yes, it is. And it, I find that discouragement is usually the first step in that progression. And when, you, when you're hopeless, when you say that you're hopeless, you have to really think about the, the uh, context of that uh, word, you know, the definition of that word, the difference between being hopeful and hopeless. And I think the question goes back to, um, what we have to to do is to describe what it what is it to be hopeful mm-hmm. as opposed to hopeless. I mean, the question that I think is really significant to ask is what is the object of your hope? In other words, faith has to have an object, right? Trust has to have an object, and uh, hope has so to have an object. Too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and one of the questions that you can ask a person, you know, coming in, they're hopeless. You know, and as Gus has described, they've they've hit the bottle. They've maybe they're looking to the answers of the world in terms of the counsel and the philosophy of the world and so forth. You say, well, what is your hope placed in? Mm-hmm. What is the object of your hope? And I think for myself, I think that's a pertinent uh, question to ask someone who comes in to see you for counseling. And you know, perhaps there's someone listening to the radio tonight, and and I would suspect in the in the size of the audience that uh, could be gathered. Uh, in front of the radios tonight, that there's people who are struggling right now with feeling hopeless, with feeling discouraged. Um, my goodness, you turn the news on, and it's anything but uplifting or encouraging as you watch it. And so th- this question to consider, what is hope, and then what is the object mm-hmm. of my hope? Would I you say that people uh, 
a good question to ask would be, uh, what is it that you have placed your hope in? Because you may have been let down absolutely by uh, by your place of hope. So we'll talk about that in a little bit too. Gus, you wanted to add something. Yeah, they they um, they end up with an, a what's the use attitude. Mm-hmm. Why even try? And and I I'm, I'm looking at this both from in terms of that person being a believer or a non-believer. Uh, a believer ends up oftentimes in that same frame of mind because they may not have uh, uh, studied the Word at all. They may not have the Word in them. They don't know how to apply it. They don't even know the Word. The Bible tells us, Thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, and, and they're out there hopeless or without hope because they've never learned how to, they've never learned the Scripture or how to apply it. You know, I think that's... Uh, really true, and I think that's one of the greatest detriments to Christians today. We are unfortunately spiritually anemic for the most part. Mm -hmm. We wonder why it is that we don't have the strength to face temptation. We wonder why it is that we uh, allow ourselves to come to this feeling of hopelessness or this feeling of discouragement, and it's because we are uh, not spending time in the Word of God. Certainly one of the objects for the Christian of our hope has to be the Word of God. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, Tozer, uh, I think, says it this way, which is helpful. Hope is the drift and the direction of the whole Bible. It is the music of the whole Bible, the heartbeat, the pulse, the atmosphere of the whole Bible. I mean, what a blessed gift that God has given to us yes. in, in the matter of his word. And when the scriptures say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, well, here is the object of our hope, that God actually wants to communicate with us. God wants us to know him. God wants us to know how we can be filled with this matter of being hopeful and not hopeless. Now, Glenn, you're saying excellent things that warm my heart. Both of you men are. Well, thank you. Here's a dollar. (laughs) I had hoped you would respond that way. But anyway, uh, why I'm saying that is because there is... There's an assumption in the three of us as we sit here tonight, uh, missing our friend Armand, of course, who did such a marvelous job last week with Absolutely. Kathy and talking yeah. about marriage conflict. We're looking forward to them being back yeah. uh, soon. But uh, Clearly, he married the right woman. Yeah, and, and he did a great job. And also. vice versa. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the assumption. Uh, you, you, we all believe what we're saying because we are, of course, Christians and we are pastors. But I don't want to assume that everybody that's listening right now um, has a connection with God. Mm. And maybe and maybe um, as we unfold why we want to point them toward God in general, and then more specifically later in the program, mm. uh, they'll find the encouragement they've long looked for in so many other places. Because mm. uh, we are going to talk about why other kinds of things fail Mm-hmm. to to produce uh, the results that hope hopes for. I know that certainly you feel this way and we we both feel this way uh, one of the greatest things that could happen if the Lord was pleased to use uh, this radio ministry uh to see people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That would be uh, wonderful. Yeah, through through the course of this and you know I'm sure we would encourage anyone to call who has uh questions about that you know perhaps someone is listening and they've uh, they know that they put their hope in other things and those things have uh, been discouraging to them those things have driven them to being uh, hopeless once again 
rather than hope filled. Don't you find that it's true that a lot of times uh, people are afraid to um, commit themselves, as it were, to what the Scripture says because they're afraid that once again they're going to be let down? Exactly. So many Christians have said that. Mm -hmm. You know what? I gave God a chance, Mm -hmm. and he didn't come through. And we're going to talk about that, too. Listen, as you're listening tonight, uh, this is 1220 AM radio. I'm sure you know that, but you may not know that you'll be able to call us shortly. We are on the air live, and we encourage you to call. We want to talk with you, especially tonight if you're a person who's in need of hope. You're dangling there, uh, somewhat discouraged or greatly discouraged about situations in your life or whatever things might be. <clears throat> We're here for you tonight, especially, or if you're listening and you're quite encouraged, but you know someone else who is discouraged and uh, somewhat hopeless. We want you to tell them to call, too. Let me give you the number even now. You can jot it down, make some phone calls to some friends, and in about 10, 15 minutes or so, when we open up the lines, you'll be able to give us a call. That number locally is 216-901-0933. And if you're calling anywhere long distance, it's 888-677-9673 or Word 9673. So that'd be 888-677-9673. Also, we are online too at this moment, and you can email us at transforminglives.com at yahoo.com. We'll uh, attempt to uh, check that out if you'd like to email. You may want to email us after the program making some comments or questions and and uh, about the overall program that you heard tonight as you come to think about it a little bit later and you say, oh, I, it's too late for me to call, but maybe I can still communicate. Well, we're welcoming you to do that. Now, guys, here's the question I want to raise in, in this particular first segment, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And, and uh, you both have said excellent things. One thing I want to add to that is, is a commonality. Now we, we have mentioned that some people um, do different kinds of things when they're hopeless. Uh, one thing you did not mention was suicide. And you all know that mm-hmm. people attempt the that is the ultimate uh, end to the hopelessness. But um, one thing that's common with all people, I think, and, and tell me if you agree, uh, what, regardless of whether they go to alcohol or attempted suicide or whatever it might be, is they all have lost the motivation to try anything of, of a uh, <clears throat> positive nature to make changes in their life. In other words, that's part of a, the symptom of giving up hope or having less hope is that uh, there's there's no motivation. Mm. It, when you when people would suggest to their closest friends who are very hopeless, why don't you do this? They get the kind of response of, um, what's the use? And you said it that way, Gus. Uh, it's no no sense trying. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this: uh, What kinds of things uh, have people been through that bring them to the place? Why why do people aren't not naturally and normally every day walking around without hope. Something is happening in their lives or has happened in their lives to bring them to the place where they've lost hope. What kinds of things, that's my question, what kinds of things or what are some of the reasons behind the the, the sense of having little or no hope that many people have? What, what are the kinds of things that happen in everyday lives? And these kind of things might be the kinds of things that are uh, near to the persons who might be listening to us right now. It might be in some of these various situations. What are some of those? Well, I, I look at uh, people who would get religious counseling. They would talk to religious people and get uh, some kind of a spiritual 
yet not biblical uh, response. Uh, so that that's one way. The other is they they uh, could participate and or buy any of the books that are on the on the shelves in the bookstores today that have uh, any number of things. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, self help, uh, you can do it yourself kind of thing, but nothing with power. Mm. Nothing with power. Mm-hmm. I think there's a host of uh, people who are hopeless because of broken relationships, mm-hmm. whether that is a relationship of a of a woman who has been abused by mm-hmm. her father or an uncle or some other uh, member or a neighbor of the family i think there's broken uh, there's hopelessness because of broken marriages mm-hmm. you know uh, a man yeah. whose wife has uh, had an affair and and so forth i mean i am a strong strong believer and i know you men are too in this i am a strong believer that the church should be seen as a hospital for sinners, mm-hmm. a hospital for the hurting and the and the broken and the sore that we might be able to bind up their wounds. And we see this a lot in the in the counseling setting. Now, sometimes that binding uh, is painful. Sometimes it hurts. Um, you know, to set a broken bone isn't the most pleasant experience. Right. And yet, it's the outcome that really is the thing that uh, we're we're going for but there's so much hopelessness in the world uh today because of what other people have perhaps have done uh to to a person broken uh, covenants with each other and so forth yeah, you that, know things that are unfair they shouldn't happen i, I think that i think there's a more uh, more basic thing maybe we've missed it thus far joe and that is what do we mean by hope yeah that's it what do we question. mean by hope uh most people say well uh, you know, I'm taking a chance that this thing will work. I, uh, you know, it's kind of like I'm I'm going to win the lottery or something. I hope I'm going to my numbers going to come up or things of that nature. Right. But that's the- not what we're talking about in Scripture. We're talking about that confident assurance mm. that God is going to do what He says He's going to do in His Word. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference it's between good, the two. It's good, helpful definition. Um, th- there's this. Um, um, Something slipped my mind as you were talking about that. This hoping, I think a simple definition might be, uh, Dr. Adams had in one of his books, that uh, hope is really a happy expectation. It's the expectation of some positive outcome. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then people who accept that definition, which is a common one, then look to a particular source to provide that. And that's what you were talking about easier. We're going to talk about that source and more about these problems in just a few moments as we, when we come back from our break. And, and so listen now to uh, these great commercials and come right back to us as we continue to talk about hope and the Bible's sufficiency in helping people be encouraged. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. 
Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. Do you desire to become more Christ-like? I want to make you aware of a unique resource every Christian should have who wants to grow in Christ-like character. Transformed into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey is a handbook for putting off sin and putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ and will help you identify personal habits and tendencies that are hindering your walk with the Lord. This valuable biblical resource will not only help you identify where personal change is needed in your life, but will also explain how to put off old sinful habits and replace them with new godly behaviors. For more information about this wonderful resource, log on to transformedintohislikeness.com. That's transformedintohislikeness.com. If you'd like to order a copy, call 1-800-656-0231 or ask for it at your local bookstore. Transformed Into His Likeness by Armin Tiffey. Welcome back to Transforming Lives. This is Joe Propri, Director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, sponsoring this program, and I'm with Mr. Pastor Gus Supin from Cuyahoga Valley and uh, Gus, uh, Gus, Glenn Dunn uh, from uh, Covenant. Is that right? No. Cornerstone. Cornerstone. So, so I'd like to introduce you to Glenn. <laughs> I have met him too many times. <laughs> and it's the big impression that I've left You've on left your a ISIS. big yes. impression, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, we were talking. Have you we, been to my church, Joe? A couple of times. <laughs> okay. We have been defining hope. I should write that on this no, thing no. in front of me. Why? Why? Because <laughs> I keep forgetting. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about defining hope, hmm. and and uh, tying in the, the source of that just before the break. And Glenn, you wanted to add something to the definition. Then I have a very interesting scripture that I want us to think about. Hmm. But go ahead with your addition there. Well, I think it's important that we define uh, these things in the way that Gus has uh, suggested that we should. And to ask a person, what is it to be filled with hope? Mm-hmm. You want, is it is it a merely another word for a wish, a desire? Uh, is it another word for a dream? And, um, you know, we, what we need to say is that hope is not a wishing want of some, upon some twinkling little star with no real power to bring the wish about. Did you write that? Are you? Hope, I'm not finished. Are you quoting from Jim Jiminy Cricket? Or what? Hope is not some wrong belief that is held, and just because one holds it sincerely, then surely everything will work out to be okay. That's a good point. Yeah. Hope is not trusting in fate to see what the future may hold. None of these comes close to the kind of hope that the Bible speaks about. Rather, when the Bible uses the word hope, it speaks of it in a way that we do when we talk about, as you said, Gus, something that is sure and certain, and one commentator says the biblical concept of hope is not mere expectation and desire, as in Greek literature, but it includes trust, confidence, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and refuge in God. And therefore, we're back to this, I think, which is really significant. Hope must always have an object, and the object of true hope can only be Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's so important, I think, for people to understand that your hope is never misplaced when it is placed in Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen to Proverbs 18, 
and verse 14. <clears throat> it's profound. I hadn't thought about this one for quite a while until before the program I was looking some things up. And it says here, the spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but a broken spirit mm. who can bear. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because that verse is saying even a normal human being can can process through a day or so or more, even if there's something wrong physically in their body. But if something's wrong spiritually, mm-hmm. if, so, if you're discouraged, if you're, if you're uh, lacking hope and your spirit is broken and your spirit is, uh, is depressed or whatever, who can bear that? And so isn't that saying in a, in a nice way or, or a serious way, it's saying that emotional and, and uh, thinking and spiritual kinds of problems and troubles are far more serious and far more worse than physical troubles. Mm-hmm. That's what it's saying. Now, here's the good news is, Glenn, you started uh, sharing that a moment ago. Um, I was meditating on the fact that whatever kind of problems people have where they have lost hope or they've been in despair of some reason or another, uh, and there's a number of different things that can cause that, um, that's that can be seen as a very negative situation. That can be seen as, uh, say, bad news. I, it's a it's a response to bad news with little hope of expectation of the bad news changing, and see that's a category for us in in uh, scripture, because bad news is the state or condition that human beings are born in, and that's the state that the world is in since the fall of Adam and Eve, isn't it? Mm. And what what I found exciting as I read some of Doctor Adams again today about uh, this issue of hope. He reminded us that hope, as you said it earlier, Glenn, is is the music of the Scripture. It's the theme throughout the whole Scripture. When when Adam fell, what happened with the situation? There was a hopeless situation because mm-hmm. the the sentencing of God prior to the chosen action was, if you do this, you will die. Mm-hmm. That's pretty sad news. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hopeless, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're going to die. Prior to that, apparently, they would have lived. Uh, without dying. And so here's this bad, horrible news. And what some people try to do when they have bad news currently or whatever is they try to ignore it or avoid it. But God doesn't do that with us. He, he um, as Dr. Adams put it, he, he has Adam face what was done. Face the bad news. Make it clear about what the bad news and then brings in good news and says, here's what I'm going to do. And in Genesis 3.15, gives them hope Mm. by saying, here's what I will do to solve the problem, not just for you, but for your progeny. Mm. And the same kind of thing happens throughout Scripture. The the bad news comes, the despair, the loss of hope, sometimes complete hopelessness. And then God comes in with his word and gives hope fresh hope because things can change, things will change. And so that positive outcome is is right in front of them. And it's a sure thing, as you were saying. Let's go back to Adam. Let's go back to that moment that Adam sinned. And now he, he is confronted with that. Mm-hmm. And he's confronted with hopelessness for the first time in his life. Before he sinned, he lived with eternal hope. And now I'm picturing him standing there and saying, wow, look what I lost. I can't access that. Exactly. I can't, 
I can't get. So what what does Adam do? I wonder what Adam's first year after being banned from heaven looked like Mm -hmm. in terms of his relationships with Eve in life, no matter what. What I'm sure he had some problems. And so how did he how did he find hope with those problems just being dead? Spiritually dead and uh, I think one of the greatest things when you think about that is that uh, God did not leave them to despair uh-huh. that long uh-huh. in the matters of, of their hopelessness. You know, as you say, Genesis 3.15, we would often say that's the first messianic promise. And right there, I, I think we see the nature and the character of the God whom we serve. That's right. That's our God. Right mm-hmm. there in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our devastation, in the midst of our shame and embarrassment, in the midst of all of that hopelessness, God comes and what does he do? He gives us hope. And without God, there is none. There's none. That's without it. God, That's there it. is none. So then the question before the three of us, man, is how does one get hope? Mm-hmm. How, do, how see, does one get this, this assurance, this, this, uh, this happy uh, uh, anticipation? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I think, the heart of the gospel. The gospel is specific good news as well as general good news. Right that God provides answers for all the bad news. And don't you think the answer to that question is summed right there in Genesis 3.15? Mm-hmm. That the hope comes in the promised one mm-hmm. whose name is Jesus. Exactly. There's no other opportunity, there's no other object of hope that is better placed once again than in, than in our Savior. And what a, what a privilege is ours, men, tonight to be able to encourage anybody that's listening to this radio broadcast, you feel hopeless, you feel discouraged, you feel as if you have been abandoned. Well, we have good news for you tonight. The God of heaven, who is sovereign, is allowing you to hear that there is hope. It might not be the hope that you've put your uh, placed your hope in uh, before, as Gus has said, a bottle or the refrigerator or even another person, another relationship, perhaps. I mean, maybe the next guy won't treat you the way this last guy has done. And, and maybe, uh, you know, your husband won't do that again and so forth. We're not talking about that kind of hope. We're talking about the kind of hope that Jesus Christ gives and, that, and it first comes to us in the matters of confession and repentance because our greatest need is the need to be forgiven by the God of heaven. That's true. This issue of our own personal sin keeps us separated from the God of hope. Mm. And, uh, and so it's an impossible. In fact, the Bible even talks about it as being a hopeless condition. The Jews had some access to God in, in, through the old covenant and uh, the Gentiles, it said, were without hope mm. in this world. That's mm. a horrible thing to be said. But mm. Jesus comes to bring hope to the Gentiles, as well as be the fulfillment of the hope promised to the Jews. Mm. But that hope doesn't come from knowing about God. No. That's right. That ho- hope comes from knowing, knowing God. God. And many people are out there in, 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 in our audience and in churches that have learned a lot about God, mm-hmm. but they don't know him. In a personal, and, intimate right. way. In a better, and even better, Matthew chapter 7, kind of a way to think about that. Uh, in this way, um, speaking redemptively, God doesn't know them. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, and this is this is the issue. Um, in, the, in Matthew chapter seven, when you read that passage of scripture, uh, these ones make great claims. You know, Haven't we done great and marvelous things in your name, Lord, Lord? They say you know, the, the the double use of the Lord's 
uh, name is to show endearment. Lord, Lord, haven't we done great things? Cast out demons and prophesied in your name and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the qualifier there is that Christ says to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a real, it's, that's a real qualifier, isn't it? It's worth thinking about, because in one sense, God knows everybody. Yeah. But we're talking about the word know in a special sense. Redemptively. Redemptively knowing yeah. you so that you're his friend. Yeah. It's an intimate relationship. I'll, I'll ask you uh, two theologians a question. Uh, is God... <laughs> Let me get the other one. <laughs> is God obligated to give hope to someone who does not know him in a redemptive way? Oh, you would do that to us just in time for our next break. <laughs> and... Uh, That's good, because we'll get a chance to think about it a little bit more theologically. Listen, we want to let you know that the lines are open now for you to give us a call at 1-800—I'm sorry, 888-677-9673. Call us soon, and we'll talk to you about uh, encouraging you in any kind of way that you might need. We'll be back after these short announcements. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville. We can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. All right, we're back here at uh, Transforming Lives, radio program sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute, which exists to provide biblical counseling to people with all kinds of problems that are non-organically based, as well as to offer training. In fact, the real reason we're hoping that you listen is not only to be encouraged by Scripture, uh, but we want you to, to 
trust the scriptures enough to say, I'd like to know how to use them more to help myself and to help other people. Because BCI, Biblical Counseling Institute, is a training center as well. And we offer courses all over Northeast Ohio, as you probably heard on the recent uh, commercial there. Now, Joe, before you go on, I'd like to put a little commercial in for uh, one of those courses. I happen to be teaching out at Providence Church in uh, uh, Avon uh, this morning, and I saw in their bulletin uh, the announcement that your classes are going to be out there on November 3rd and 4th, I believe. We're going to be there very soon, yes. So folks living out in that area uh, might want to uh, uh, give uh, Pastor Jim Bezefka a call and uh, maybe get uh, included in that uh, opportunity. Right. We were just in Holland, had a great class at uh, First Baptist Church in Holland this past weekend. My wife and I are going to do a marriage retreat also the beginning of November. Uh, if uh, people are interested, can give us a call, and we can tell you a little bit more about that. But Gus, you threw us a theological pitch right over the plate. We're going to hit it. But I can't even remember what the question was. So why don't you tell us? <laughs> so, uh, how do you know you're going to hit it? <laughs> nice stall. The question is, is God obligated to give hope to someone who does not, have, uh, does not personally know him, does not have redemptive hope? I'm going, I don't know what uh, Glenn would say. But I'm going to say um, that the answer would be yes, and he's already done it. I'm going to say that God is obligated by his nature to reveal himself to his creation. And since his creation is in in a fallen situation, um, he has, by his own nature, revealed himself as a hope giver. He calls himself the God of hope, and he, he proclaims that hope and offers that hope to everyone. Uh, including the ones who do not know him, by means of that very gospel we were talking about in the last segment. Common uh, grace. Com- the common grace of mm-hmm. the gospel. And and so he's ordained preachers. And, and by the way, you, we are preachers. And the, the Bible talks about us as people who have beautiful feet. And uh, My wife doesn't think so. And I was going to say, I'm not so sure <laughs> that we should take our shoes off and get an evaluation of that. But the meaning of that in Scripture is that our feet are beautiful only in the sense of that as, the, as we approach people, as we're walking toward people, mm. we are bringing them good news and they are saying, wow, you guys, it's good to see you. And that's good news to the non-believer. It, it, does, me such, it does me such great joy. Just recently I was... Uh, counseling someone I've been working with for for some time on a uh, on a life dominating problem of um, uh, ha- having sicknesses that he he thinks he has sicknesses that he doesn't really have. There's a uh, a world term for that, but I won't go, I won't go down that road with that. But he pulled out of his wallet the the piece of paper that he wrote two hope scriptures on mm-hmm. that I gave him, and it was all wrinkled up, and I know that it was used. And he says, Gus, this has been the this this has been the most important thing that I carry with me, mm-hmm. the, the the script, the hope scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because hope deferred makes the heart sick, and mm-hmm. so if you have hope, you have the motivation to step up to the plate and try again. And, and hope in the Bible, we we haven't talked much about this yet, but hope in the Bible, in many of the verses, also is tied to perseverance. That through perseverance we might have hope. Listen to uh, fifteen Romans fifteen fourteen, which says, uh, uh, "Whatever was written in earlier times was for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope." So, 
So the Bible, it, it tells us there in the New Testament that the whole Old Testament written, all that was written, one of the primary purposes was to give hope to people. And the gospel comes through that as well as other specific means. So so the the scriptures are a source of hope and persevering is a source of hope. Now, it's understood that persevering is persevering in Christ. So we have the God of hope, which is a scripture we're going to read toward the end, Romans 15, 13, right in the same chapter. He's the God of all hope. And we have the scriptures that are written to give hope. So the Holy Spirit uses the scriptures and when we have hope, we're motivated to hang in there. Isn't it true that one of the things people do that are hopeless is they quit? Mm-hmm. You quit when you're hopeless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that comes back even to what you're saying, the object of our hope. Uh, so many people want to stir this up within themselves. You know, I, I can feel hopeful in this. I can feel hopeful in this. I don't, I've, you know, I'm not a radio professional. I don't know what the, uh, the, the laws are here. But I think there's one of the silliest songs that used to be played out there was this man who sings that he believes he can fly. He believes he can touch the sky. And, you know, I wanted to say, I, I say to my wife, if he believes that, he, he's going to put that into practice by walking off the 15th story of a building and then tell me how much he believes that he can fly as he fights against the law of gravity. All of these things we try to do within ourselves or within our own strength, and this just proves to us that we have to be, we have to be forced, as it were, back to the object of our hope. Mm-hmm. That's why I say at the beginning, it, it doesn't matter if you sincerely believe something. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how sincere you are in that belief. If it's, if it's a false belief, if it's a belief that is not given to us in the matters of uh, what the Scriptures teach to us, then uh, is it any wonder that you're going to feel hopeless once again? Is it any wonder that you're going to struggle with these things, uh, discouragement and depression and so forth once again? Because... We're driven to consider what is the object of our, of our hope. And, you know, we close that last segment by saying it has to be Jesus Christ. And Jesus has to be, Jesus me, has to be me, our hope. Let me be the advocate of somebody I won't mention, but uh, let me just ask you, why? What's, what's wrong with uh, placing your hope, let's say, if you've become somewhat hopeless or d- greatly discouraged because you have you have discovered that your physical problem is not one of those that is easily remedied. In fact, the more you discover about it, it's one of those strains of something that they have not discovered any cure for. And so your hope begins to be placed in the discovery of a cure mm-hmm. or a brilliant scientist or or let's let's get political, not that we'll stay there, but in stem cell research mm-hmm. or something like that. And And so... All of your hope gets placed into that particular category, and therefore everybody else somehow has a mandate from you that they must support that particular research program or give money to or pass laws to it. Anybody who doesn't it almost can become your enemy because mm-hmm. they're dashing your hopes. Mm-hmm. What's, but what's wrong with that other than the obvious that, that uh, you can't count on that necessarily to be discovered in your lifetime. But what's wrong with people? People do it every day. They place their hope in science or medicine or or um, let's be Christian about it. If I could just get my husband to a seminar, mm-hmm. then he would change. Mm-hmm. And then we'd have a good marriage. I place all my hope in that. And then when he decides not to go to the seminar, she's dashed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, don't Glenn, we Glenn see said that. it before. You have the wrong object 
for your hope. Mm-hmm. Science. Well, what's wrong you, with all those things? Well, there's nothing wrong with it to the extent that it doesn't break the first and the second commands. The first command is you will not have any other gods before me. The second command is you're not going to make any graven image for yourself. You're not going to have an idol. And sometimes people who are ill, who are sick, they make an idol out of being better. and they, Or they make an idol out of, you know, that thing that could make them better. And there's no harm in that. I mean, you pray for people who are sick. Mm-hmm. I, pray for, I pray for myself when I'm sick, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so forth. Yeah. But the hope cannot be placed in the cure, per se, as much as our hope has to be placed in the God of heaven. You know, I think of uh, often, uh, my mom uh, died of cancer, um, great Christian woman, um, just a fantastic, fantastic testimony. Mm-hmm. And um, she struggled with cancer for a number of years. And uh, I used to always pray that passage in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 1, when the leper comes to Jesus, and he says to Jesus, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. Mm-hmm. And the scriptures say that Jesus was moved with compassion, and he turns and he says to the man, I am willing. I tell you, that scripture spoke so much to me. It wasn't if, if, if my mom continued to struggle with that cancer, it wasn't because God couldn't heal her. It wasn't because God uh, didn't have the power to heal her. It was because God knew that that cancer was better for her to have than not to have. And, you, and see, now this is, this is where the object of our hope is placed. Uh, but you're saying something that's going to make people very upset, that God would say having cancer is better for you than not having cancer? Let me tell you something. My, my, uh, my mom would pray after her diagnosis, and God gave a good uh, five years after the diagnosis of her cancer. And my mom would pray, listen to this now, with thanksgiving that God had given to her cancer. In everything. Yeah. In everything. And you want to talk about a testimony. You ask the Apostle Paul, ask God three times Mm -hmm. to to get rid of his thorn in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Uh, It indicates probably that that didn't happen. There's an interesting uh, take on this by David Paulison in his book, Speaking the Truth in Love, where he analyzes the way, uh, takes a a look at the way people pray. And he says that a lot of times that our prayers really, really are asking for the wrong thing mm. because God may, as, as in your mother's case, mm. it may be God's sovereign plan for this. It may be a means of bringing someone to Christ. It may mean uh, all kinds of things. We, that, I'm not saying don't pray for healing. Don't, absolutely. But the primary, the primary purpose is to give God glory mm. for what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, 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 need to, we need to know that our hope is in him. That's right. It goes I, back to that. God I, does all things well. That's right. I heard a friend who uh, went to the funeral of his mother, and uh, he, he, he told that the pastor said this at the, at the graveside. And, you know, being at the graveside, one of the most um, desolate places that you can be is at the graveside of someone that you love. Mm-hmm. One of the most heart-wrenching places. Uh, when you walk away from that grave, you you just uh, you can be just devastated. But the scriptures say that for those who are in Christ Jesus, we grieve, but not as those who have no, no hope. Thessalonians four. Yeah, yes. and this is and this is the case. And he in this uh, at the graveside service, this uh, pastor said, "For the Christian, death is the endless hope. For the unbeliever, death." is a hopeless, hopeless end. end. That's excellent. You know how Paul said it? He said, for me to die is... Gain. 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 Mm. Now, what a change from Adam. You will die if you do this. Mm-hmm. Okay? To Now, after the redemption in Christ, Paul saying, 
dying is cool. You know, I get to go to heaven. Mm. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, you know, brothers, we got to take another break. <laughs> and when we come back, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, one of the best scriptures that, that I like when I'm helping people to uh, have some hope. we got so much to talk about and not enough time, do we? Mm-hmm. Well, you that are listening, don't forget, the lines are still open, 888-677-9673. Give us a call. We'll be right back. As our parents are aging, do you ever wonder who will take care of them? Do you struggle with providing care for your parents or a loved one as they grow older? Home Instead Senior Care can help. They specialize in taking care of seniors in their own homes. In fact, Home Instead Senior Care is celebrating 10 years of being the trusted source of non-medical home care in the Cleveland area. I have to tell you, folks, this is a wonderful and value in-home service. Caregivers actually come to your home and provide assistance with light housekeeping, meal preparation, bathing, grocery shopping, incidental transportation, and so much more. At Home Instead Senior Care, the goal is to help seniors remain independent in their homes while providing peace of mind to their family. Caregivers are thoroughly trained, screened, bonded, and insured. Assistance is available 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-942-7558 or visit the website at www.homeinstead.com, your go-to company for elder care. The Biblical Counseling Institute offers training in the use of God's Word to help people solve the common problems of life in a fallen world. Whether personal problems or relational problems, the Scriptures give competent counsel for all non-organically caused problems. BCI exists to equip Christians to handle the Bible practically for themselves and others, gently and compassionately, towards solutions that transform lives and glorify God. Various types of training are available. You can come to us in Garrettsville, we can bring classes to your church, or you can take classes in your own home by correspondence. For more information, call BCI at 330-527-4205 or email us at info at bci-ohio.com. That's 330-527-4205 or info at bci-ohio.com. So I was having my coffee the other day and I wondered, what's so special about Cornerstone Bible Fellowship? Is it the family-like environment, the Christian development classes geared for all ages, or the fact that Cornerstone Bible Fellowship believes both in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Bible? Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is committed to preaching, teaching, and counseling from God's Word. I've heard testimonies of how the biblical counseling ministry of our church helped my friend with her panic attacks, helped one believer with his anger and another who struggled with worry all by giving them solid biblical principles to help them defeat these sins in their lives. It's amazing. At Cornerstone Bible Fellowship, I'm learning that I have everything I need to live a life of victory and godliness. It's my prayer that we will reach even more people with the good news that the Bible is sufficient to meet our greatest needs. Cornerstone Bible Fellowship is currently meeting at Remington College at Great Northern. For more information, call 440-617-0002 or visit us on the web at cbfministry.org. All right, we're back with you here at uh, Transforming Lives radio program here on 1220 AM, simulcast on 1440, and you can email us at 
Transforming Lives at Yahoo.com. You can call us right now at 888-677-9673. We'd be glad to talk to you. Guys, we're, we're talking about the importance of hope, how much it's needed, why some people or many people often become hopeless. And um, we know those of us who have been through counseling training programs, how critically important that is for those who help other people to know how to give hope to those who are hopeless. In fact, uh, I dare say that before we can really go on beyond that in a counseling situation, uh, if a person has little or no hope, we don't even go farther than that, do we? We spend time making sure they are encouraged because without that encouragement and motivation, anything else we said after that won't make any difference to them anyway. One of my favorite scriptures, and I'm sure you men like it as well, is in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to give the background context for it, other than to say that the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthians to consider some things in their struggle to walk with Christ by comparing the struggles that they had in the Old Testament in walking, you might say, with Christ as they followed Moses through the wilderness. And he he brings this powerful hope scripture in the midst of that discussion by uh, saying in verse 13, there is no temptation that has overtaken you but such as is common to man. I will stop there for a moment and just remind us that he's simply saying this. Whatever you're going through, and, and those of you that are listening right now, these are words of God for, for you. Whatever you are going through, and, and we've talked about some of the things that people might be going through. It is something that is not unusual in that you're the only one going through it. Mm. And so it's common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it or Mm -hmm. bear up under it. In other words, the the crux of that verse, guys, don't you agree, is is not so much what you're going through, but but that it's God's faithfulness. It's the attribute of God's faithfulness that's being called into question. Mm. Whatever it is you are going through, even if it casts a shadow of hopelessness upon you, Mm -hmm. is a test of whether you will trust that God is faithful to you. Mm -hmm. He would never let you be in your current situation, whether it's the cancer or when you were talking about your mother's cancer, you know, my mother is in uh, in a nursing home with Alzheimer's and, and, Ten years ago, when I was on the radio, she listened faithfully every week, and she told me how much she liked listening to the program. I would love to have my mother listen again mm. ten years later, but mm. she, if she's listening, she could. There's no way she would know right. it's her son. Right. So we want to see what our callers have to say. We got a couple of callers, about a minute. We'd have much time, but we've got John and Avon Lake. John. Yes. My my wife and I have been listening to your program, and uh, uh, that hope. And faith in Christ is, is what uh, got us through the probably the worst experience you can imagine. We we lost our daughter nine years ago mm. in a car accident. Oh, so sorry to hear that. And uh, my Patty and I were just sitting here listening, and uh, there there were days uh, after that that what got us through and and just got you through the day was knowing that my daughter was a Christian and the fact that someday we would see her again. And uh, there were many days that uh, you didn't want to get out of bed, and I never experienced or understood depression until that time. Oh, boy. And uh, 
it hits you like a ton of bricks. It sure does. And you don't want to see anybody. You don't want to do anything. And you just have to tell yourself, get up, go to work, get out of bed, and go. But I just wanted to, to let you, you pastors know that, and anybody listening maybe had a similar experience, that uh, you know, faith in Christ is what will get you through the, the hardest, hardest times in this life. Without mm-hmm. it, uh, uh, life is meaningless. My, life is hopeless. Amen. You're so right, John. And, and John, unfortunately, uh, John, just hang on because we're going to keep talking with you. But the, those of you in the listening audience, uh, we, we need to say goodbye for this week. We're going to be back next week from 7 to 8 here on 1220 AM radio with the Transforming Lives program sponsored by Biblical Counseling Institute. Please tune in and listen. Tell your friends to do the same. And uh, with my good friends Gus and and Glenn, uh, this is Joe Propri saying God bless you and may God, the God of hope, be Mm. with you. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Transforming Lives, brought to you by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. We invite you to visit our website at bci-ohio.com. That's bci-ohio.com. There you will find information about BCI, our resources, course offerings, and available materials. You may also write to the Biblical Counseling Institute, 8146 High Street, Garrettsville, Ohio, 44231. Your prayers and financial gifts for this ministry would be deeply appreciated. Thanks for listening. This program has been sponsored by the Biblical Counseling Institute of Garrettsville, Ohio. Forget the TV. Boot up your PC. Watch K. Arthur whenever you want at LightSource.com. Video of precepts for life on demand. LightSource.com. If you had the option of choosing who your boss would be, whom would you select? If you answered you, the following phone number may hold your key to financial freedom. Call 800-895-6545 and discover how you can effectively take back your life with the 10-second walk. Thousands of people just like you are enjoying their newly found freedom.